Welcome to Grounds for Discussion, a book club podcast for the average Joe. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Becky. And I'm Laura. And today we are talking about Unbroken. Um, And it's been a couple weeks, so thanks for hanging with us. Yes. Yes. We've had some uh, unexpected sickness and Laura had just moved. And so we've, we're back on track, folks. A lot going on, but we're back. We're back, baby. (laughs) We're back and better than ever. In the words of George Costanza, (laughs) we are back. Um, And exciting in the same room. Yes. Looking into each other's eyeballs. Right in the eyes, folks. (laughs) Unbelievable. Hardly ever happened. Yeah. So, so pretty exciting. Yeah. It's a treat. So we decided we weren't going to do a dessert for this book. Laura, do you want to tell them why? Okay. So for those of you who have read the book, you can probably guess. Um, this book is, okay, obviously it's nonfiction. It's a story about World War II. It's, uh, it, it really just doesn't lend itself to a dessert. It was, it was a different kind of a read, I think. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Yes. Well, first of all, it's not fiction. And a lot of our books are fiction, yeah. and you know, uh, it also has a totally different feel than a lot of our books. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the food that was mentioned—I mean, you know, these men were starving, so yeah, it's like, yeah, I—it just seemed like well, let's just skip this, yeah, one with a dessert, yeah, so. And unfortunately, because we are recording at night, neither one of us actually has a drink right now, which is a little sad. It is a little sad. A little sad. But we make up for it by being together. Exactly. So we're together. together. Hey, I don't, you know, (laughs) needs coffee. She's sitting right here. It's exciting. So. um, And you are so close. Yes. To your, your, um, the end of Lent. Yes. Where you once again can drink your coffee. Yes. And I, I am sadly excited about that. Like, I keep being <laughs> well, like, I would it's be not too. about the coffee, it's about the resurrection. Yes. So, but you, know. <laughs> you get to celebrate the resurrection with a cup of coffee yes, in your hand. I do, and I and I'm, <laughs> I am excited about that. But, yes. Yeah. Also about Jesus, because, yes. you know, it's uh, Easter. It's, a, it's like the biggest yep. day ever. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Anyway, um... So, yeah, so we're going to kind of just dive right in mm-hmm. because since we don't have a dessert and mm-hmm. we don't have coffee. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> we're doing like half of the, the podcast at this point. Is that what's happening here? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> but I can almost guarantee it will still be just as long, oh, especially since we're probably. face to face. Yes, probably. <laughs> we're just going to gab it up, people. I mean, it's just... <laughs> It's, I can almost guarantee it's still going to be just as long. <laughs> and who knows what it will actually be about. <laughs> right. I mean, you never know if you're going to get just the book or the book and a bunch of random stories from our childhood. There's no telling. It's a poo-poo platter. <laughs> it's a poo-poo platter, folks. <laughs> little column A, little column B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I'm just going to dive in. I'm actually going to just go ahead and read a little, um, a little bit of the, the book jacket because, um, this book is just, it's quite involved and there's a lot of sort of episodes to Mm -hmm. the, the story of sections. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, if this could be a mini series and there'd probably be at least least four episodes, I would say. Mm -hmm. So, um, it'd be a really good mini series. Yes, it would. I know there's a movie. About it, right? Is there really? I think there I, is. I want to see it. I haven't seen it. But... I feel like there might be now that you mentioned mm-hmm. that. I do want to see it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read from the jacket for anyone who may not have read it. Um, so, yeah, this is just kind of a little excerpt from that. On a May afternoon in 1943, an Army Air Force's bomber crashed into the Pacific Ocean and disappeared, leaving only a spray of debris and a slick of oil, gasoline, and blood. Then, on the ocean surface, a face appeared. It was that of a young lieutenant, the plane's bombardier, who was struggling to a life raft and pulling himself aboard. So began one of the most extraordinary odysseys of the Second World War. The lieutenant's name was Louis Samperini. In boyhood, he'd been a cunning and incorrigible delinquent, breaking into houses, brawling, and fleeing his home to ride the rails. 
As a teenager, he had channeled his defiance into running, discovering a prodigious talent that had carried him to the Berlin Olympics and within sight of the four-minute mile. But when war had come, the athlete had become an airman, embarking on a journey that led to his doomed flight, a tiny raft, and a drift into the unknown. Ahead of Zamperini lay thousands of miles of open ocean, leaping sharks, a foundering raft, thirst and starvation, enemy aircraft, and beyond, a trial even greater. Driven to the limits of endurance, Zamperini would answer desperation with ingenuity, suffering with hope, resolve, and humor, brutality with rebellion. His fate, whether triumph or tragedy, would be suspended on the fraying wire of his will. So just kind of a little peek into the book for those who may not have read it. Um, although, I, I mean, I, I'm always going to recommend that you read it. But mm-hmm. if you want to join us and haven't read it, that's, that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So where do you want to dive in here, Beck? Oh, I, like you said, I feel like there's different sections. Yeah. So the beginning talked about his boyhood, how he grew up, and how he was pretty much, like, he was bad. <laughs> he was... <laughs> I mean, he, he was such a character from, like, Yeah, some one. of the things made me laugh, and some of the things I was like, oh, my goodness, what would I do if my kid did that? I know. It, it's he is, he is a perfect example of just, as parents, you, mm. you, you think when your kid does something as a little kid, you just think, okay, whatever. And then when they do it for the next eight years, mm-hmm. you're like, that was, like, a part of them from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you sort of, you start to realize, oh my word, these, these things, these character traits or these, these tendencies or these Mm -hmm. propensities, they're there from the beginning. And, and you, at times it's sort of a, a relief Mm. because you go, I don't think I did that. anything that I did. (laughs) Yeah, like I don't think I did that. They were like that from day one. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of their character, part of who they are. Yeah. So, yeah. like, for instance, um, as a two-year-old, I think it said, mm. he, like, j- didn't he, like, jump out a window and, like, yeah. I mean, I think at one point he jumps off a train that his yeah. family's, and he's really, he was, like, seriously, like, what, yes. two or three. Yeah. And he jumped off the end of the train and uh-huh. started running, and his family's on the train, and they're like, stop the train! <laughs> And they have to literally stop the train and go back and get their toddler. But there were seriously so many stories like that. There were so many of those things. It was crazy. It was like uh, almost unbelievable, but they really did happen, you know, but it was, yeah, crazy (laughs) to read about. And he was like a jokester from day one, too. Uh Like he loved to like pull pranks. Yes. Oh, he did pranks throughout the whole, like, even yes. when he was a prisoner of war, like, yes. he would do pranks. <laughs> he just, he, he loved to pull pranks on people, and uh-huh. it started from when he was tiny. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I, I didn't know what to do with it when I read the part where it said that he started smoking at the age of five. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> or was it drinking? It might have been both. I, I don't know. I don't remember the specific age, but I do remember that it was really young, like even before he was a teen. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going, what, how, where, where yeah. what? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe hide the cigarettes. I don't, it's unbelievable to picture a five-year-old I don't, with a I know. <laughs> Although I did see that happen once, remember, with Asher. <laughs> Laura's son. Oh, no. We were. Do you remember this? I. It's coming back. We were at a um a park and yeah. there were like there was like some trash around and stuff and you said something about <laughs> <laughs> something about the trash and we turn around and, and see her son with a cigarette coming out of his. He's like smoking a cigarette. Not smoking. It was. It yeah. was. You know, someone had like, like thrown someone had it. thrown out their. <laughs> You know, the rest of their cigarette, and he's holding it, and he's got it in his mouth. (laughs) Asher, get that out of your mouth. (laughs) But it looked like he's, it looked like he was a little tiny kid smoking when you you first turned around. Tiny kid old man smoking. Yes. That's what he looked like. But. (laughs) We, we were like disgusted, and 
totally yeah. like laughing at the Strangely same time. Strangely I mean, entertained. Yes, at the same time. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But Lewis actually did right. smoke. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I know. I can't remember in the book if, if the parents actually like did anything about it or show, I mean, they show concern about know. his actions when he was older, but. I mean, I'm sure it, it wasn't okay with them. But he just did whatever he wanted to yeah. do, and they yeah. were not going to stop it. Uh-huh. He was just, from day one, he was, he had a very strong will. Mm-hmm. Very strong will. Yeah. And he used it to kind of get in trouble. Mm-hmm. He he would run around, and he would steal constantly. Yes. He'd be running around stealing everybody's food, mm-hmm. you know, from the town. Yeah. And I just, I yeah, mean, it just laugh. kept going. Like it, it just kept going. What yes. he, the things that he would do. Yes, I, and I, I mostly just laughed through that whole section. I'm like, this is hilarious. I mean, I mostly just had my mouth open, like just. <laughs> are you serious? That what? too. It was a combo platter of that, <laughs> right? Too. Oh my god. So then the next section is kind of when he's. Okay, uh, grown up a little yeah, bit. Teenager yeah. into, I'd say, kind of college age. Yeah. Um, and he got into running, didn't his brother? Yeah, his brother kind of, so his brother was in <clears throat> sports in high school. And um, Louis had got into, is it Louis or Louis? Uh, they say both, I, don't they? I think they say both. Okay. I think they called him Louis as a okay. nickname. So he had kind of gotten into trouble. I can't remember what he did, but he Mm -hmm. got into trouble. And the principal had said one of the punishments was he wasn't allowed to be involved in extracurricular type stuff, um, like sports or whatever. And his brother went to bat for Mm -hmm. him. And apparently his brother was kind of a, like, goody, Mm -hmm. like, like, he was, like, classic eldest. Pretty much the opposite of. Yes. Although sometimes he did do stuff. But because well, he, he wouldn't was get so, caught or he yeah, like he didn't, <laughs> yeah. he didn't get caught and he was so generally responsible in that kind of thing that they would always just blame right. it on Louis. <laughs> right. I don't think he and, cared either. And Louis didn't care. Right? <laughs> Louis was fine with taking the blame. Anyway, so he kind of um, goes to bat for his little brother and says, look, this, he's a good kid. He, mm-hmm. yes, he does these things, but he needs direction he needs a he needs some way to focus and channel this yep. energy you know energy and this will that he has yeah. and i know it, it it was way beyond his years what he did mm-hmm. like i was so surprised by his brother and just how he could see and in, in he could see in his little brother there's something great here mm-hmm. we just got to channel it mm-hmm. I, I was Which just I very think is amazing because yeah. he he saw the enthusiasm that he brought to things, but really, I mean, if you're just looking at his story from the outside, you would be very tempted to think, well, this kid he's just is naughty just on the wrong path. He's, he's you know, choosing to be naughty and he's not, he doesn't want anything else. So why? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people had done. Mm-hmm. They had just kind of written him off mm-hmm. as oh, he's just kind of. Oh, he's a scamp. He's just yep. always going to be whatever, yep. you know. And, and I think even Louis kind of yeah. seemed to feel that way. Like, I'm just, this is just who I am. Yep. I am a cut up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's just funny and sometimes it's naughty, but that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And Well, Pete, no, he wasn't having any of that. Yeah. He's like, no, this kid has something. Yep. And he, he needs somewhere to put all this. Yeah. And he was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Louis just took to running like... Mm-hmm. Like a duck to water. Yes. I mean, I think it said at first he didn't really like it and Pete was kind of pushing him and stuff. But then after a little bit, he started to realize that he enjoyed it yeah. and that he was good at it. Yeah. So. Um, and then he, I don't remember how old he was, but he entered into the Olympics, even though yes. he knew he wasn't going to win, probably. Yes. But he had come from like, do you remember when he was running in the Olympics didn't he, like, fall behind, and then he was, like, last, right? And then and then he came into, like, yeah, oh, what so, number was? I don't remember. So he was kind of in an in-between state where he was, like, 19 years old. He was in college. Most milers, which is what his specialty was, yeah. most milers um, hit their peak kind of in their maybe late 20s. So he was young. 
for the the category and they didn't have the mile at mm-hmm. that point in the Olympics. So he decided he was going to try for the 5,000 meter. Well, he'd only contested in that four times mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. So this kid who's done a 5,000 four times right. <laughs> goes to the Olympics. Uh-huh. And in yeah, Berlin, he's right? in Berlin, 1936. Mm-hmm. And he's, um, yeah, I think he was dead last for a lot of it. Yeah. And then um, he just like he was like, like you know what? I can. I, to... I'm gonna. I'm gonna just kill it. And he just ran as hard as he could, and yeah. he ran the fastest fi- final lap. Yes. Ever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So he didn't win. He didn't right. even medal. But he just dug in at the end, and he he did the fastest lap because like people at the end of a five thousand meters, it's people are yeah. t- they're doing their their. They're long, you know, they're doing their longest times mm-hmm. for laps, of course, at right. the end. Right. Well, Louis like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to come in mm-hmm. last or whatever. I'm going to do. I'm. He just dug deep. Yeah. And, Which in a way was a foreshadow, you yeah. know, of yep. what was to come. Like all of these things that he went through once he was a prisoner of war. Well, even before that, mm-hmm. you know, and just deciding to dig in deep. Yep. To muscle through. Yep. And somehow I feel like somehow psychologically he was he was just mentally able to uh to to go through this. Yeah. Even though looking back he would say he in the book I think it said that he was asked if he had to do it again, what would he do? And he said that he would kill himself. Yeah. So, you know. Look, again, talking about the, the later experiences. After, yeah. Yes, but afterwards. Not, not the racing, but yeah. Right. Um. <clears throat> so, yeah. I, th- I do think there's a bit of foreshadow there. And yeah. it just tells you right away, okay, this is a guy who's not just going to give in. Mm-hmm. He's not just going to lay down mm-hmm. and, and take take the abuse. He's not just going to, you know. Um, whatever life's hands him, he's going to fight back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, because of that, he actually shook hands. He met Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Um, and the, shook hands with Adolf Hitler. At and, the Olympics. And I thought that was interesting, too, because there is so much stigma attached to the Nazi party and Adolf Hitler and all mm-hmm. that in our minds because we are looking backwards in time mm-hmm. where for him... Um, we think, like, how could you shake yes. hands with Hitler? You know? Wow. There just wasn't... That wasn't there. Like, people didn't realize what was coming. Uh-huh. They didn't, un- you know, of, co- of course they didn't understand what was coming. How could that, you imagine that? Right. He knew that Hitler was the leader. Yeah. He, but he's a 19-year-old kid. Right. He thinks, and I'm, if somebody in power asks you to come in, into their presence and you right. shake their hand, of course yeah. you're going to do it. Yeah, like, exactly. Even if you don't agree with them politically, right. like if the president asked somebody to you know right if you put yourself kind of in his shoes of yeah. course of course you i just would. think especially nowadays people might read that part and go oh because like how know. could you yeah. do- well hindsight's 2020 mm-hmm. he, he was a 19 year old kid mm-hmm. who didn't know anything it, it probably had absolutely no political ideas because right. he was too busy running right. and he was too busy doing his own thing and yeah he, i mean yeah it, it's just i just think it's Mm-hmm. It's so hard to take yourself out of the looking back mindset and try to think, what would that be like if I yes. was there? If you put at the yourself time? in his shoes, and it and, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so okay, so after he he runs um, in the Olympics, he thinks, okay, I'm in a perfect place to prepare for the 1940 Olympics. Mm-hmm. I'll be the right age. They'll have they they're supposed to. I think they were going to maybe add the mile if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um. Or I can't, I can't remember. I think they were going to add the mile. Anyway, so he's just in perfect position mm-hmm. to just absolutely kill it at the 40 Olympics. Yeah. And he, um, in fact, he's getting really close to that four minute mile that everybody's saying is yeah. impossible. Yes. Like nobody can, nobody's going to, that's not a thing. You can't mm-hmm. do that. The human body. I mean, I think there literally had been scientists yeah. that I think they said had kind of like studied the human body and the, the biomechanics of it. And is this even possible? Yeah. And here's Louis just 
on a whim, yep. like getting closer and closer mm-hmm. to it without even, you know, I yeah. mean, thinking anything of it. And so he's just set up beautifully for the 1940 Olympics. But as any historian knows, yes. the 40 Olympics don't happen. Right. So, of course, he is, he becomes an airman. He, he um, doesn't, he sign up before. Yes, he did. The, the draft because he wanted to be. Yes. In the Air Force. He wanted to be in the Air Force. But the funny thing is, he went into the Air Force, didn't like it. Yeah. And, like, somehow, like, got out after he was done with his, oh, whatever you call it. Like, he was done with some part of it. And then he kind of got out because he was like, well, I don't really like this branch or whatever. And he signed the papers to get out or whatever. Didn't really read them. And it was basically saying he would agree to another mm-hmm. term in that in in the Air Force. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he ended up back in the Air Force and he gets sent um, over to was it Hawaii first yes. or something mm-hmm. like he gets sent to the Pacific. Yep. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I just <laughs> thought that whole section was hilarious because just the way these guys behaved with each other. They, yeah. Yeah, and they were so. That was kind of a fun section. I mean, they had hard moments together, but then they also it was more than just a family. It was more than just bonding. It was something that nobody can understand. Nobody else can that understand. you are going yeah. through with these people. Yeah, you know. So, and it's such a reminder too. Like sometimes I don't feel my age, and I look at this and I go, "Oh my word, these were boys." Mm-hmm. Younger than these us. were, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 21, yep. you know, boys like and they're out of their, you know, country for the first time. Yeah. I mean, not Louie, but, you know, most of these guys yeah. have never been out of the country. They're, you know, so, of course, they're they're living There's, it up. They're yeah. having fun. They're goofing off. They're pranking each other. Mm-hmm. The one where <laughs> the first, some of those pranks Louie pulled. I mean, I, know. I was dying laughing. <laughs> So, for instance, somebody did something to him, and so he, what did he do? Oh, he re- he replaced their gum, because yes. they were always chewing gum. He replaced their gum with, like, he either put some X-Lax in it, or uh-huh. did something where it was, like, maybe they were chewing straight X-Lax or something. Yes. And the guys, they, and they go on these runs that are, like, 16 hours mm-hmm. in the plains. Mm-hmm. And so these guys, of course, are having major issues. Pants. Yes. <laughs> Well, they get back and like literally they had run out of bags for it. So the one guy, they're literally holding him out the bomb bay. Yes. They opened the bomb bay doors and held him yeah. over the bomb bay doors. And they get back and we said it was like an abstract painting on the plane. <laughs> I just laughed so hard. So I'm nasty. Like, oh, that's so nasty. And they got totally chewed out by the lieutenant or whatever. Um, One thing that surprised me about that section was how, um, how unstable, like how bad the airplanes actually were. Yeah. I'm like, how could you realize or didn't even think about how this equipment was not safe? Yeah. How I, I was just kind of appalled. Like, Uh how can you send these boys out on these rickety planes that have, like no safety features and that yeah. and beyond that barely run like mm-hmm. they don't work yeah as soon as they they land they're out of commission i mean some of these planes and you sent them on missions that were down to the minute on whether they were yeah. going to make it with fuel yeah and you sent them like i mean i just i was like i know it was dire straits but like couldn't you do a, some little bit shorter I, yeah. missions yeah. like something i mean i understand they only had the basis that they had because it was either American or it was either yeah. Ally occupied or it was Axis yep. occupied. Yep. So I get that, but wow. Didn't it even say like there were, I don't know if there were more men that died. There were a significant amount of men that died just with training yes. because of the, the planes. The planes. And the, yeah. And the equipment. And there had. was one part where uh, his friend, was it Phillips? Um, like, just came in on, like, like fumes, fumes, basically, yeah. And his his captain or whoever was like, 
you need to get back out there. Something, you know, he gave him an instruction and he's like, you come with us. And and he's like, yeah. okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a time where they had had it was an training, engine go wasn't out. It? Uh, I yes. think they'd had an engine go out. Yes. And so they came in on three engines instead uh-huh. of four or whatever. And he was like, get back out there. Yes. You're not done. That yes. mission is it or whatever. And he, they're like, I think it was Louie who was like. Oh, was it? Okay. okay. You come, you uh-huh. come with us. We'll do it for mm-hmm. sure. Hop on in. Yep. <laughs> and, the, like, and then he's like, "Well, let's cancel I, the I guess, I guess, I guess you don't have to. I guess not. You know. I mean, they knew. They knew yeah. that it was dangerous and yeah. that it was deadly. Yeah. I I didn't realize that that was a huge. I was also amazed by how far the technology came just during World War Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, while the guys. Later on, they were POWs. Um, you know, they started seeing the evidence of new technology and were just yeah. in awe. Yeah. Because they knew what they had flown. Mm-hmm. They knew what they had had to deal right. with as far as, you know, bombing technology or yeah. any of it. And mm-hmm. they were just like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. I don't, I know my plane inside and out. That is nothing like yeah. anything, I, you know. Yeah. So, obviously, we weren't ready for World War Two. Right. But we had to get ready quick. <laughs> right. And yeah. we really didn't have an option. Of, yeah. You know, I think but we stayed But what's amazing and... is we had at least two years of the at least possibility that we might be entering war. What were we doing those two, two years? <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. It's I, just sad. I don't know. But I think that they probably still would have been obviously working on stuff. But. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you, you just feel for these guys mm-hmm. with the equipment they had and mm-hmm. what was available to them. And yeah, you know, anyway, so next episode, <laughs> yes, it's is, is where it really starts to get fun. Yeah. Um, so they go out on a mission and it's actually a mission to, uh, it's a rescue mission. Yes. So there's a plane that has taken off and disappeared and so they don't know if it's been downed in the ocean or if they're on an, you know, got stranded on an island. They don't know what's happened to this plane. That was also interesting to me, by the way, because they had a lot of these rescue missions. Yeah. But it was almost like just do it because then we can say we did it. Check off a box. Because there was almost no way that they would be able to find, like... And it, be able they, to find these people. And they kept losing people yeah. to the rescue missions. Yes. And so I would have thought that by some point they would have said, we can't keep doing these rescues. Right. We're just losing more and more men. Right. And and that awful to say, you know, we're not going to come looking for you. Right. Yeah. What's the moral, like. Yeah, what's the more? What's our moral obligation here? Right. Is it is it worse to go or worse not to? Because mm-hmm. we, they ended up losing a ton more men yes. to the rescue missions yes. than to the original, like them going down in a plane yep. kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. so sad. But anyway, mm-hmm. so um, Louis and his his crew, and by this time his crew has kind of been split up a little bit. Yeah. So the original gang has um, had to be sent to different places mm-hmm. and this kind of thing. Um, some of them had been wounded. And another attack. His original plane called the Green Hornet. um, It uh, they had they were involved in like a a dogfight situation, and they were it was shot up like more than anybody thought was possible for Mm -hmm. a plane to be shot up, and still flew back. Mm -hmm. So they made it back from that mission, but several of the guys were injured, and some of them were injured quite badly. I think one of them may even have died. Mm -hmm. Um, And so his original it's not his original crew that he's with anymore. He's with. some new guys, but it's still him and Philip Phillip. or Phillips. Phillips. Um, yeah. And I think that's the only other person from his original crew is, okay. is Phillips, who is the pilot. Yeah. Um, so they go out on this rescue mission and it's a new plane and it's a mostly new crew to, to Louis mm-hmm. and Phillips. Um, and uh, during the course of it, um, something goes wrong and they end up having to bail out and mm-hmm. they, they crash. Um, and, in yeah. the ocean. I mean, they crash in the ocean. Um, I mean, so much happens, but I'm just yeah. going to try to yeah. go through it, you know, without <laughs> dwelling on me. I, I want to tell every detail because it's just an unbelievable it's story. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, so they end up on two rafts. It's um, Louis, 
Phillips and another crew member named Mac. Mm-hmm. McNamara. He goes by Mac. And um, they... Long story short, they're they're out there for what? 40, 46, uh, 40, seven, yeah. 46 or 47 days. The most that they had heard somebody had survived was, wasn't it like 26 days or something? Yeah. Like it, yeah, so once they made it past that. It was like unbelievable, right? But they had they had a small pack of um, things that uh, were like in this emergency, like emergency kit. Yeah, uh, there, but it was like grossly under. Um, yeah, it, like, it was, there was hardly it, hardly anything. anything. I mean, and and some of it was kind of useless. Yeah, and like I think he said either six months or maybe a year later or something. Like yes, all of the it stuff. was six. I think it was six months later. Like, everything changed for the regulations on what needed to go into mm-hmm. a, an escape raft or, mm-hmm. a, you know, a rescue raft. Yeah. And so if it had been a little bit later, they would yep. have had a lot more to work yes. with. Yes. Um, but as it was, they had almost nothing. They, they had, had like a couple, chocolate bars, right? Yeah. They had... A, a raft. They had a little bit of water. Not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had, like, I think some, like, fishing hooks. They had and, something to turn the water a different color. Yes, they had some stuff they could throw overboard if they saw a plane. Uh huh. And um, and they had a flare gun. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I think that was about mm-hmm. it. I mean, there was not much. Yep. Um, and they actually see quite a few planes. Yeah. During their time, and the most sad one one is some of their guys that they were actually friends with and stuff yeah. flew right right over by them. them. But the, I mean. The problem was, like, if you're looking for somebody that far down, the glare of the sun on the water, like, all these, the raft probably looked like a wave. Yep. I mean, there's no way that they could have, unless, I think they did, did they still have the flare gun then? I think they did. I think they sent up the flare and it went right by the plane. Yeah. And they still still couldn't see it. see it. Yeah. So it just so sad. Like you it's just like want to like hope cry. And then it's like, dashed. And then the other problem with the ocean, like being in that part of the ocean, was the sharks. Yes, they the sharks were, like, were ruthless, vicious. Like I've never heard of a shark jumping up into or not into, but like like on the raft. Yes, like, they were like, and they were scraping the bottom. Like I think yes. they were trying. I think it said they were the sharks. Maybe were trying to figure out what it was. Mm. Like they didn't understand what this thing was. Mm-hmm. But then I think they realized yes, what, there's food what on was it. in it, mm-hmm. and they started like literally jumping yep. onto the yep. raft, mouth open, trying to how he could survive, like being whole through that process like i don't even understand no i don't, I don't either i mean because they were already he's dehydrated starved, dehydrated he's, mm-hmm. they were um their mental faculties right. were were lowered although that was one of louis things was yeah. he was like i am i we gotta keep i know that the mental is more important and i think he knew that from running yes i think he knew from the discipline of running that I mean, any runner will tell you, like, Mm -hmm. it's all mental. Mental. Like, you can keep going. If you tell yourself, Mm -hmm. you can keep going. And I think Louie just said, I have to keep my brain in shape because that's even more important than water and food. Yeah. And he was absolutely right because you find, you know, by the end of their track. Yeah. He and Phil are, they're starving. It's it's him, Phil, and Mac. Mac. And Mac, the first night. Uh, like freaks out and eats all the candy bars. Yeah, while while the others are sleeping. Yeah, and um, he actually ends up like getting really, really sick and eventually dying. Yeah, and um, one of the parts that uh, was interesting to me was where they talked about cannibalism, how they refused from the beginning. They said that they weren't gonna, nobody was gonna get eaten. Yeah. And that was kind of like a different concept because a lot of the other people who had been, you know, stranded had, you know, sacrificed somebody or, you know, the weakest person or the first person to die. Right. And they had, you know, committed that they weren't going to do that. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean... 
I think, and I think it said something in the book about how that's sort of a, um, oh, there's like a name for it with sailors. Yeah, It's just kind of a, a given that uh-huh. if you are stranded long enough, somebody will end up eating somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the, I mean, that's just the tragic truth of it yeah. in, in sailing, mm-hmm. the sailing world, mm-hmm. you know, in, for sailors. Yeah. Um, and that was just, just never on the table. Mm-hmm. Like they just, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was just not an option for them. Like, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So you think that it just can't get any worse. Here yeah. they are on the open ocean. They're, they're boats, you know, or, uh, you know, ships flying or, or I'm sorry, planes Aircrafts, flying yeah. over all the time that don't see them. So they're getting mm-hmm. their hopes up and then dashed over and over and over. There's sharks circling and mm-hmm. jumping in. Yeah. And the they rafts start knew. to get deflated and, yeah. tur- you know, all this stuff. And you're like, how could it get any worse? Well, they also knew that they were in the area of probably two different islands that were occupied by Japanese. Yes. Because of where they knew they had kind of land, like, crashed. And they, and they and, knew they were um, drifting west. Yes. So they knew that it was it was pretty likely they were going to end up somewhere that was Japanese-occupied. Right. right. They were just hoping to be able to spot where they were ending up, that they would spot it and be able to kind of maneuver around to mm-hmm. somewhere where there were no people. Right. They were just hoping to kind of do that well it ends up being that they are they happen to be asleep uh-huh at the time when they hit land mm-hmm. or come close enough to land yeah and then it gets worse <laughs> <laughs> i mean you just keep thinking it's what could be worse yes. it's like the joke that we did yes what could be it's worse, worse. <laughs> i mean it's worse uh, oh. <laughs> so then they yeah. um they're they're well first they are strafed by the Japanese, which means the Japanese uh airmen spot mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and um they try to like shoot they start them. firing they fire on yeah. them in the raft and Louis has to like jump they the guys have to like jump in the water uh-huh. in order to not get hit by the bullets where the sharks where the sharks are. are. Very happy to see them. And but the other two guys couldn't jump up. They didn't have I the strength. I think they did the first right? time, but they couldn't do it then after. They couldn't that. after. So they didn't Louis have the keeps strength jumping in. But somehow amazingly enough, they didn't they weren't injured. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. It, it's it's unbelievable. Uh-huh. I mean I, I'm assuming they were machine guns, mm. you know, and they're yeah. they're just rapid fire. Yeah, and at it's them. just like Swiss cheese with the, yeah, the, rafts. the rafts are just absolutely falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, they amazingly none of them are shot. Yeah, they managed to patch the raft mm-hmm. with the, they had some patches, mm-hmm. um, which was a total pain in the butt process. Mm-hmm. Um, but they managed to do it, and then after all that, they still end up <laughs> in yep. Japanese um, territory. Yeah. So the next chapter, I would say, the uh-huh. next episode Sections. is um, them as POWs. Yep. Um, the first island they come up on, um, it almost seems like it was like it's like not a transition a... island yeah. or something. Like you don't stay there. Right. They they take you to a different. Yeah. Um, like a different camp yeah but those men treated them really well they let them eat they let them sleep they you know yeah they were pretty pretty good to them yeah after like an initial like the the first guys who found them were mean to them but Mm -hmm. then the officers were like hey cut it out or you know like yeah and then they're good to them um which which was surprising you know but there was sort of this code of conduct right yeah Uh, like if you're a prisoner of war, um, I don't know all the rules that there were, but right. I do know that there were ways that you treated a prisoner. Right. After, I think it was after World War One was when the Geneva Convention mm. was enacted, and that was supposed to be in effect mm-hmm. for World during War this II. time. Yeah. Um, it should have been in effect and was in effect. Well, for um, the most part, was but in effect. But the yeah. Japanese seemed like they didn't. They acted well. like they hadn't un- hadn't signed on to that. 
<laughs> the Japanese just did yeah. whatever they wanted to. Yeah. And <clears throat> whatever so, they wanted to was just pure torture. Right. So, so after after this initial good experience, then they're, sh- they're shipped, basically shipped out to a, a POW camp. And it, it just, I mean... They went to... Th- didn't they go to three different camps? I think they camps? went to three different camps, yeah. But so the at- first one, they're just kind of kept in a little cell that's mm-hmm. really small mm-hmm. and just kind of poked at and mm-hmm. every once in a while they'll throw something in for him to have yeah um they lost huge amounts of they were skeletons yeah pretty much and wasn't that where they they kind of did some experiments on them i think yeah like a doctor kind of like uh-huh. injected them with yes. some stuff and yes yeah there was some some stuff so here's these men who are already totally starved and dehydrated mm-hmm. Um, because of their time on the ocean mm-hmm. and now they're being starved Inject- again and injected with things and yeah. pumped at and beaten and yeah. all this. Um, and then after that, they're taken to another camp, which is where Louis meets what, who he calls the bird. Yeah. The bird is a Japanese officer. He was mm-hmm. not the commander no. of, the, of the camp, Mm-mm. but he ran the camp. Mm-hmm. People uh, came to him. Like, like, even the commander would did make, whatever yeah. the bird wanted. Yeah. So the bird was the nickname that the POWs gave to this officer, uh-huh. whose name was Mutsuhiro Watanabe, I believe. Watanabe, yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't understand why they all kind of, why all the officers just kind of let him do whatever he, and let him run the camp, basically. Uh, maybe they were afraid of him. I don't know. I mean, because... he was a classic bully. Yeah, he was more than a bully, though. I mean... He was oh for sure oh he he was he was physically off. emotionally his brain was not yes right. I think he was actually mentally not stable yeah yeah um but yeah everybody just kowtowed to him including the other officers and the commander mm-hmm. of the POW camp mm-hmm. um and this man I mean he just had it in for Louis from yes. day one yeah it's like he recognized someone who wasn't gonna just lay down and do. Mm-hmm. Bullies always recognize that. Mm-hmm. A bully's always going to recognize the person who is not going to be cowed, mm-hmm. and they're going to go after them all the harder. And that's exactly if what they're he in the did. position to do that. Yeah. yeah, and he was. Yeah, yeah. Um. So wherever Louis was, I mean, the bird was like kind of there. Like he, he would, was just he'd follow. Yeah. Him. Or he would call him. Uh-huh. You know. Or if to he came into a room and there was a bunch of men, he'd look around and find Louis. Uh huh. Um. His was a lot of, um, he tried to mess with his Yeah, his he, it mental... was like, it was like psychological torture, yes. not just, it was a lot of physical lot torture, of physical, but it was yes. also a lot of psychological torture. Uh-huh. He was trying to break him. Mm-hmm. And I think at some points he, he kind of did, mm-hmm. but then eventually Louis would kind of go, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hang on, yeah. you know, um, and by the end, it wasn't always, I'm going to fight back. It was just, I'm going to hang on, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, I, I mean, just the stuff he did to him is just so crazy, though. The things that Louis felt like he could get away with. Like, he oh, did he things put his, to... He put himself on the line. He did things to the bird that, I mean, I would be... Sh- like, I, I would be shaking. Like... I can't even thinking about doing those things would make me nervous. The things that well, he did. they definitely like, like all the men messed with the bird to an extent with what they felt they could get away with, mm-hmm. um, and it was all planned between them. Mm-hmm. So they would like, for instance, a lot they of kind them of felt on... like they had each other's backs. Yes. However, putting something in his, you know, food or his dr- or like. They actually put, like, diarrhea in what... Remember this? Yes. They put diarrhea in his food, wasn't it? Yeah. They to make, make him sick or yeah. to try and make him sick. Yeah, they were like, trying to give him dysentery. Yeah. They were hoping that he would get sick and die. Uh-huh. Because they were all dying of it, so they uh-huh. figured, well, maybe we can kill him. Uh-huh. I mean, but the, the trick was the bird was healthy, uh-huh. so... Of he course, these men were dying more. of dysentery. They mm-hmm. they were skeletons. But if you eat actual diarrhea, that's what I was confused about. I was like, 
How is he not getting sick? I know. That dude must have had the constitution of a horse. I don't understand. I mean, he just, it never worked, except for maybe one time, but then he got better. How do you taste something and not be like, that tastes like crap? That tastes like actual crap. They really must have disguised it with something. I don't know what. I mean, what flavor goes with crap, Laura? <laughs> I don't know. I mushrooms. I don't. I mean, I. I don't know. I I just. I know. That part, I, thought I was that, like, I thought that too. But you gotta imagine they were living on some pretty not great food, so maybe everything tasted bad, and this just tastes especially bad. And they're like, well, I guess it tastes especially bad today. If you're I don't bur- know. burping up. <laughs> Okay, stop right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, there's almost no excuse well, by the for not I... being able to tell that you're eating actual poop. Maybe they gave him a lot of sake with it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he was drunk because that I that might be the only know. explanation. I do not know, Beck. It's I know. It's unbelievable that they got away with mm-hmm. that. Like, you'd think you would take one bite and be like, what'd you do to this? <laughs> I, yeah. Even just the color. <laughs> I don't know. I just... well, it, it sounded like, I mean, at the time, I remember reading something about, like, they made us like a slurry or something or a, mm-hmm. or a concoction mm-hmm. or something. They made it sound like they mixed it with some stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't know what the stuff would have been. I, I agree with you. Nothing disguises poop. Yeah. <laughs> or there should shouldn't be anything that I mean that's just by the laws of I mean, the, of nature kind of nothing should disguise did he grow up on it's <laughs> tragic to th- they were wealthy back what I mean you would think he would have grown up on some really good food I don't uh, know. must anyway. have just been really really bad food at the camp I, I guess so but then again they were stealing all the red cross stuff yeah well he he specifically was right yeah he and a couple yeah like all of the guards were just taking all it so he didn't even need to eat that stuff he had his own little stash <laughs> what was he doing they must have put it in the stash maybe i don't know but that whole I, I know I was amazed thing, but they did they did because most of these men were put on. So the officers weren't supposed to have to work according to the Geneva Conference or the you know the Geneva Convention. Mm-hmm. Um, but the enlisted men <clears throat> all were laborers. They were forced labor. They yes. were slaves. Yeah. So they would send them into their mines. They would send them into their railroad stations to load stuff. They would yeah. send them you know all these places, and they would have to do this really hard manual labor for million hours a day Mm -hmm. and every turn they were sabotaging every last thing they could yeah i mean they were breaking the automobiles they worked on they were you know Mm -hmm. making things look like they were great but they were going to fall apart the second they used them Mm -hmm. they were just it was and i i was just amazed at the like i it just really says something about the human spirit because in real in normal life I couldn't do those things. Yeah. But I'm sure a lot of those guys couldn't do that thing, those things in normal life mm. either. Mm-hmm. It was the last way for them to assert their humanity. Yeah. They, they had to. They yeah. had to do those things. Yes. That reminds me of a quote that the author, um, when she was doing this article with someone, she said that a loss of self, self-worth is central to the experience of being victimized, and it may be what makes its pain particularly devastating. I thought that was a really interesting quote. Yeah. Because it's about taking away who you are, your self-worth, who you think you are. And that that was the bird's mission, you know? Yeah dehumanize and demoralize and um just completely take apart mentally and physically these men and that's how they're gonna die yeah you know and a lot of them did mm-hmm. yeah. not 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 so much from the other things mm-hmm. um i mean yeah they died of starvation they died mm-hmm. of dysentery they died of whatever but generally yeah. they died of a lack of yeah identity mm-hmm. and 
yeah, it's just, it's so hard to wrap your brain around, you yeah. know? Anyway, so, um, trying to, sorry, yeah. I'm trying to. I know, it's just it's, There's such, so much. Anyway. Such a detailed yeah. story. Um, and all of it's so important to his story. But anyway, um, so eventually, um, the war comes to an end. And at this point, like, the, right the before, men are, though, right before, didn't he like plot to kill the bird he did so he and some of the men decided they were it was they weren't going to make it because Mm -hmm. what had happened was they they could tell that the war was coming to an end because they were seeing Mm b-29s flying over Mm -hmm. and by that time they had actually moved camps again yeah and um oh my gosh and the bird was gone for a while and then they get transferred to the bird's place again yes unbelievable anyway um so they can tell the men can tell the war is coming to an end because the guards are acting weird. B twenty nines are flying. They're not over, answering their questions, and, and they're not making them go to work anymore. And things are just getting really weird. But the men also know that there's kind of like a, the Japanese have this policy of like a kill all, a kill all policy. Mm-hmm. Like if if things if things go like you know crazy and 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 it looks like we're gonna lose. They were given orders. Kill everybody. Yep. We kill all the POWs. We do not want anyone getting out. Yep. Because then everyone knows. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. um, that was just there. And it was kind of part of their system of, I think they actually managed to convince themselves that that was what was good for the POWs. Mm. Because, there, you know, it's so it's such a lack of honor in being a POW or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll be better for them. Mm. Um, it was an excuse, but right. I think that they, I think they actually tried to kind of convince themselves of this yeah. or something. Anyway, so the war starts coming to an end and these guys are terrified hmm. because they're like, the closer the allies get, they're going to kill us and right. we have no way yep. to fight back. Yeah. So these guys are like, okay, we got to figure out something. What can we do? I mean, we're sitting ducks. Mm-hmm. Like we got to figure something out. And they decide, okay, we're going to have to kill the bird yep. before he kills us. Yep. So they decide that they're going to, um, somehow they're going to like tackle him when he's yeah. alone. Yeah. And they're going to tie him to the, this massive rock. The plan it was, a, was not going to work. It didn't make any it sense. It wasn't going to work, <laughs> but it was a last ditch effort. And yeah. of course they're thinking... If we die, we're already going to die. Right. So we're, we're dead cares? anyway. We might as well try. We're dead anyway. Let's yeah. go on fighting. Amazingly enough, though, the war ends. Well, what happens is they drop the atomic bomb, right? Yeah. Yep. And that changes everything. Yeah. So, so then the Japanese surrender amazingly before mm-hmm. they're, before the kill, kill all happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I really don't know how that happened. I know. Because to me, it seems like the orders were pretty clear. I know. If things start closing in on us. Yeah. Do it. You know. Yeah. Um, but amazingly, they, they don't, at least at this camp, the kill all doesn't happen. Yep. And um, the men are eventually rescued and they're, you know, brought back to the States. And yeah, so after that, Louis comes back and he is kind of mobbed. Mm-hmm. by you know all these people wanting to know his story and mm-hmm. everybody thought he was dead yeah you know because they couldn't find because him. there well there was also a radio broadcast that had said that he was yeah missing and presumed dead i think right and then there was one that said he's still alive but yes his but family the, his family didn't hear it or something. but they heard about it and they couldn't confirm it and yeah so it was just all confusion. it was very confusing yeah. yeah um so eventually he gets back to the states and He's, I mean, everybody wants to know his story because they all thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. And and they knew who he was right, because he was of a, his Olympic Right, you know, he was a big experience. man, especially in his in his hometown and home, you know, in California yeah. and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and he, he's a, kind of okay, but really he's just lost. Yeah. Um, he starts, the saddest part to me, well, one of the saddest parts was when his, he, he's, Went back with his family, and his mom um, is making dinner or something. I remember the family is together, and somebody puts on a record. Yeah, his sister. His sister puts on a record of uh, his. He was he was used during the war, like he was made to 
put out these reports. Remember that? Yeah. And so they had a, a recording of one of them. Well, Louis came to realize the reason he wasn't killed in it, at the very first place yeah. was because they wanted they to want, use him. They knew who he was. They knew he was a famous runner, and they wanted to use him. Mm-hmm. They were hoping that he would be a mouthpiece for their propaganda, basically. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, so they actually had Louis read a statement on, you know, on the air over the radio saying that he was alive and well, mm-hmm. and you know the, they're treating me good and everything's fine and blah blah blah. Can't wait to see you. Yeah. So, of course, that was an amazing, beautiful moment yes, for his family. Right. When they finally heard it. They didn't hear the initial broadcast. Right. But they eventually heard about it, and they were able to get hold of, uh, you know, a, a recording of it. Right. And they had this record mm-hmm. of Louis saying he was alive, and yeah. that was, like, their most treasured possession. Yeah. But they didn't realize that every single word of it was written by somebody else, and he refused at first to read it, and then you know, was tortured. And so, you know, when they put this record on for him to listen, he just starts going insane, crazy. And that was really sad to me because, first of all, I mean, nobody knew back then about, like, you know, soldiers coming. The trauma of. I mean, I think they knew because the World War Well, World War One, yes. You know, had happened not that long ago. But they didn't understand. Stand it. They didn't. Right. And they and I think most people weren't willing to go there emotionally. Yeah. Um, and the sad part was they were like, "We have him back. He's gonna be fine." Is what. Yeah. They all thought. Right. He will never be fine. <laughs> like right. he will always have these memories. He will always be working through yeah. the trauma that he experienced. Yeah. Um. And I think too that. People just figured, why would I make him relive that? Mm-hmm. I don't, obviously those are right. bad memories. Let's help him make new good memories mm-hmm. and let's just move on so that mm-hmm. he doesn't have to ever go there again while they don't understand. He's going to go there mentally all the time, right. whether you say right. it or not. Right. And it just wasn't something that was spoken about mm-hmm. because they just wanted to move on. They mm-hmm. just wanted life to be normal again. Right. And Louis did too. Everybody did, mm-hmm. you know, but th- Yeah. Yeah. I think there just wasn't an understanding there of how that all yeah. worked in the brain, mm-hmm. you know, of somebody who's really been traumatized that way. Yeah. So, yeah, after that, um, he ends up meeting this woman uh-huh. who um, he is interested in and he he gets he ends up getting married to yep. her. And um, things just get really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets further and further into alcohol and he's yeah. just trying to drown the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, it's just after everything he's been through for him to like be so yeah. demoralized, it's just, yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> like, yes. um, he's finally gotten away from this. He's finally out of it, but it's like, but he's, he's not away from it. Not free. Yep. And he doesn't know how to be free. He becomes a prisoner of his thoughts and his past and the alcohol. Yeah. And it overtakes him. Eventually, so he he eventually decides that the only way he's going to really be free is to kill the bird. Mm. And so it kind of becomes this obsession with him. Like, I, I, I'm going to have to get back to Japan somehow yeah. so that I can kill the bird because yeah. otherwise I will never be free. And can we talk about the bird for a minute? Because... <sighs> yeah. So... <laughs> My goodness. So this dude, I mean... Wow. It's like, I, I don't want to be mean, but just die already. Like, <laughs> it's it's crazy. So he runs away once he realizes that, oh, the gig is up, you know. Yeah. It's, it's over, dude. So once they surrender, I think, is yeah. when he runs away to the mountains and he goes to see his mom, like, incognito right yeah and then um he's like i'll meet you here again or at this certain place in two years time if i'm still alive um and is it the first the first time he so he's found or how what is the first time that he's pronounced dead? I, okay so i think the first time they say at some point um 
he doesn't show up for a meeting with his mom. And maybe that's when. Okay. Like where he has said in two years, I'll yes. meet you at this date, at this time, at this place, yep. or whatever, if I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, and he was there's... hiding from the Japanese. Yes. But... He was hiding from his own. Yes. Yeah, his because own they would people. have taken him and. and um... Turned him over mm-hmm. to the allies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he ends up. They think that that this body that they found, which is a suicide, they think it might be the bird. Mm-hmm. So they take his mom to mm-hmm. where they found this body, and there's also the body of a woman. So they don't, you know, I don't know how that's supposed to have factored in. But anyway, um, they take it, her to identify him, and she she says, yes, it's mm-hmm. him. So he's declared dead, case yeah. closed, it's over. Well, then I guess they start to get suspicious again later that maybe he's still alive. Yeah. So they start tailing his family again. And mm-hmm. the, I mean, they had been the whole time. And he's like hair's breadth away from these people several times. Yes. Yeah. Like they're in the same room with him a few yes. times. Uh-huh. Um, and he's he not noticed. Out. He's not. He's either not recognized. Yes. Or he sneaks out uh-huh. and he gets away. And so, yeah, so he was never captured. No. In fact, he was pronounced dead, wasn't it, three times? Something like, I mean, it was, I can't remember, but yeah, it's like, how did he keep getting yeah. away? This dude yeah. was like, Houdini. Another, anyway. this is like the theme, unbelievable. Yeah, you, you can't hardly believe it's real. What on earth? How is this happening? So anyway, Louis... Is like I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. You right. Know? So, um, and he didn't know a lot of that at the time. Right. Right. Um, but he did. He, you know, he found out later. Um, but really, I mean, just the the amaze, the most, probably the most amazing part of the story is um, that a few years later, he's just deep in alcoholism. Mm-hmm. He's falling apart. His mm-hmm. marriage is falling apart. His wife's going to leave him. They have a baby girl. Yeah. Um, she doesn't feel safe anymore. Right. You know, because of his alcoholism. Right. And um, so, she, you know, he's just at the absolute end of his rope while Billy Graham comes to L.A. Mm-hmm. And he holds his revivals. And Crusade. His sis, uh, I'm sorry, his, his wife. Um, wants to go and hear him. Mm-hmm. And she... Louis's wife. Yes, Louis's wife. So she goes and hears him, and she's... I mean, it sounds like she gets saved, basically. Mm-hmm. And she comes back, and she's like, I really want you to hear him. I yeah. really want you to go. And he is just like, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. I am not going to... You know. Um, and I can't remember how, but eventually she wrangles him into going, and he's like, fine, whatever. I think I'm just she gonna... gives him an ultimatum or yeah, something. something. She's yeah. like, I, you know, she, you know, she gets him there somehow and he's just like, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll sit through it, whatever. Uh-huh. Well, he's absolutely just gobsmacked. I mean, yeah. he's just, it, you know, God is just absolutely calling but he, to his heart. he walks out before the, the altar call. Yeah. And then he ends up going back again. She gets him to go again. Uh-huh. I, I, I can't remember what she what she threatened or what she said, but yeah. she got him back again. Yeah. And that time it was it. I mean, yeah. he just... It, it was, and didn't Billy Graham, he said something about, because he was going to get up and leave again. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to leave when he does the altar call because everybody's eyes are... Because it was the classic, like, every yes. head bowed, every eye, yep. mm-hmm. eye closed. And... Louis like, oh, perfect timing. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'm I'll gonna slip get, you know, out. I'm just gonna slip out of here. Well, <laughs> and Billy Graham didn't he say something about you can uh, something about no no one's leaving. No one is leaving. Uh, you know, you can leave when I'm preaching, but that time has passed. Now, yep. now it's time for you know, like he's just like, yeah, no, nobody's leaving right now. So like, he was kind of called, called, called him yeah. out. <laughs> and yeah. and he he. He, walked forward. Yeah. The Holy Spirit just totally, like, Yeah. And that was it. Him. There was just no turning back. He yep. never drank again. He never did. I mean, he just, like, the Holy Spirit just absolutely t- yeah. did a 180. Yeah. And the rest of his life was absolute joy-filled. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard him speak. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. I've heard... An I interview haven't. or something at some point. I just remember thinking, <clears throat> what a joyful man. Wow. 
he just he just radiates this like kind of impish joy like he's just kind of like he's still louis yeah he's still like right you know kind of a scamp but like there's just so much like joy and peace too Mm. and it's just this beautiful combination and yeah it was that for the rest of his life wow so um so it has an amazing ending Mm -hmm. um well he um he wants to meet the bird after that after that yeah he wants to meet the bird he wants to tell him like i forgive you yes um and the bird he said he said he would at one point but then he wouldn't come down to meet him weren't they in the same hotel like he had come to meet him in japan and i don't remember if he actually went or not but he may have but either way he he definitely he did and then he finally he the bird wouldn't come down to it talk to him um so but, even that, just the juxtaposition of, you know, one man who's so wide open mm-hmm. and one man who is just hiding and hiding yep. and hiding and mm-hmm. hiding. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. You want to tell what we're Yeah. So since this is kind of a longer episode and we still have quite a few things that we would like to discuss about the book, we decided to give you all a bonus episode. Bonus episode, baby! <laughs> it's your lucky day. I always wonder if it's their lucky day or their unlucky day. <laughs> like, we're gonna keep talking about the same book. Well, you know. They Mostly because uh... we want to. <laughs> right. So, you know. You don't have to listen, but... That's right. You can skip it. <laughs> But we suggest you don't. Um, So you can join us next time for your bonus episode, uh, which will air next time. Um, Not in two weeks, but next week. Yes. Um, So you only have to wait a week to listen to our wonderful voices again. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't keep it together for that. (laughs) So thank you for joining us today on Grounds for Discussion, where the books and the coffee are a perfect blend.